You're listening to Reach Teach Talk with Nat Ding. Welcome back to another episode of Reach Teach Talk. This is an extremely special episode because this marks our 40th episode of this podcast. 40 episodes, 40 guests talking about the relationships in the classroom, in the classroom of life, the power of relationships, and truly the power of love in each relationship, whether it's our relationships with ourselves, whether it's our relationship with our environment, with our students, with as parents, with parents, with schools. Our relationships mean everything. Relationships are at the center and the heart of humanity. And I cannot be more honored to, to have and to welcome our special guest on this 40th episode of Reach Teach Talk, Father Gregory Boyle, the founder of Homeboy Industries, a Jesuit priest. He is, the, and by the way, Homeboy Industries, just to back it up for a moment, is the largest intervention, gang intervention, rehabilitation and reentry program in the world. Father Greg goes back to his education at Loyola High School. He was a teacher where he was also a teacher years later. He was a chaplain in Mexico. He worked in the uh, Christian-based communities in Bolivia and was ultimately appointed pastor of Dolores Mission Church in the Boyle Heights neighborhood of LA back in 1986, where he served until 1992. Homeboy Industries was founded in 1988, and it is now the largest gang intervention rehab and reentry program in the United States. Father Gregory Boyle, he is a legend here in California and around the world. He has received the California Peace Prize and been inducted into the California Hall of Fame. In 2014, under Obama, the White House named Boyle a champion of change. He received the University of Notre Dame's 2017 Letere Medal, uh, which is the oldest honor given to American Catholics. Father Greg is the author, acclaimed author of three books, Tattoos in the Heart, Barking to the Choir, and most recently, The Whole Language, which is his third book, and he continues to donate all net proceeds, proceeds to Homeboy Industries. Father Greg, I want to welcome you to Reach Teach Talk. Thank you. It's great to be with you. I'm thrilled to have you with us. And uh, really, because what you've done with Homeboy Industries is focus on three central tenets of what we continue to focus on uh, on Reach Teach Talk, which is the three tenets are belongingness, hope, and love. And I want to start off our conversation with a poem, a quote from a poem by poet Mary Oliver, which you actually quote in your most recent book, The Whole Language. This is the first, the wildest and the wisest thing I know, that the soul exists and is built solely out of attentiveness. The soul exists and it is built solely out of attentiveness. She's talking about relational wholeness here. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, she's talking about the discipline of alertness. You know, how how are we, uh, you know, to look at something with attention? Uh, there's a Spanish word called acatar, and it means to look with attention. And so is, with your eyes wide open where you notice people, you, you know, you notice, you become the notice of God, you, you, you kind of, uh, you know, have your tentacles out so that you don't, you move beyond your own self-absorption so that you can somehow um, be connected to people. And it is, yeah, relational wholeness. So it's the power of seeing, of being seen, of observing and noticing. And I'm going to bring this to the classroom because this is where uh, Reach Teach Talk continues to, uh, to, to recenter itself on relationships in the classroom and, and within schools and school communities. Is there any, any lessons you can share with our audience here, which is largely comprised of teachers and parents, about noticing, about the power of being seen, if, if, if there's any, any way that we can see our students with broader eyes, wider eyes, and a broader uh, horizon line? Yeah, I mean, part of it is just the intentionality. You decide, you decide to choose this way. So, you know, the Buddhists say, oh, nobly born, remember who you really are. And so you want to see people as they really are here at the homies always say because they've all been locked up for so long they go we're used to being watched but we're not used to being seen and and obviously there's a wide dif difference between those two things a, a homie said to me if you see me i will never forget what i look like and 
And that's exactly as it is, you know, as it should be. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day who who um, works with homeless people in another state. And she was saying, you know, homeless people don't become homeless because they run out of money. They become homeless because they run out of relationships. And so part of what teachers do in a kind of a, in a very primary way is you're, you're not just communicating or, you know, you know, sharing knowledge. You're hoping that your kids won't run out of relationships. And that's part of what you do. That, you know, they always say the kids aren't going to remember exactly what you told them, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. So, you know, the more you can decide, you know, to, to help people not to run out of relationships where people more and more feel less invisible because you're looking at them, you're seeing them, oh, nobly born. You're reminding them who they are, you know. I love that because, uh, you know, I'm thinking about the classroom and I'm thinking about how, you know, when a teacher says, I see you, I see what you're doing. It's, it, it's mostly watching, right? Like I'm watching you, I'm watching your actions and I'm, I'm judging your actions here. But, but to be seen could actually come in the form of not just like through the eyes, but it's, it could be a comment on a paper. It could be a comment that says like, you know, your thesis, it, it, you're, you're developing your thesis statements with so much more clarity now than you did a few months ago. In other words, I see that. I see you, and I'm, and I'm holding the bar because I believe in you. Um, you have a you have a great story in um, in the whole language of two boys who uh, get onto a bus and they're carrying a rat, and they are seen. Um, do you do you recall this story? <laughs> yeah, it's so long ago. It, but yeah, I was I was in I was studying. I was in Berkeley, and and there an old. African-American man gets on the bus and he sits next to these these brothers that maybe they were twins and uh, and he says what you got in the box and <laughs> and they opened it up and it was a big old rat I could see it from where I was standing behind them and had air holes and everything and I said what are you gonna do with it we're gonna bring it home and show it to my our mom <laughs> and the old guy said oh my god she'll be thrilled and but the thing was he just really asked them questions and he really engaged with them and you know and they became uh they came alive you know the the song says long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth yeah it's about jesus yeah it's about christmas but it's also about this this old black man with dreadlocks sitting next to these two kids and he appeared, and their souls felt their worth. And it wasn't because he was, you know, exactly affirming them or anything. It's just he was listening to them. He he was intrigued by them. He asked them questions, and they answered the questions. And and he entered into an engagement that that they came alive because they felt seen. They felt important. And that's just beautiful to behold. It is so beautiful to behold. And it's one of, the, one of the aspects of working in schools that I have loved for over 20, 25 years now is the, the, the opportunities to just have what we call a sidebar conversation, right? Like a 10-second sidebar. Like, hey, Jimmy, walking down the hallway, I see you. Or I saw you at the soccer game yesterday, and you were awesome. Or, you know, I, I saw the way you got out of your carpool this morning, and you were just so bedraggled, and, and, and I see you now, and you're alive and, and alert. What happened between, you know, 8 o'clock and, and 10.30 this morning? Um, and, and to see when you really look into their eyes, you know, the students' eyes, and to see that connection and to see them in a sense, like stand up a little straighter, um, just because they know that they're in, they're within your eyesight, they're within your field of vision. It's in also not just your field of field of vision, Father Greg, but I, I dare say, like there is something about the uh, the heart connection that comes through the eyes. And you actually mentioned in in um, the whole language, you, you you talk about how our souls long to be seen, and that is exactly um, just that story and 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 kind of what we what we facilitate here. Um, with reach academics and uh, and also you know to to, to improve the dynamics um, within schools. So 
Yeah, you know, it's it's not hard to do. It's simple to do, but it's difficult to remember to do it. Yes. You know, and, and that's that's the key. You know, you, you have to remind yourself to to cherish people with every breath. You know, in, in 12 steps, they say, you know, one day at a time. Well, that's way too much time. You know, it's like, how about every breath? Every breath you take, you're choosing to cherish whoever is in your path. And in the end, that's where the joy is. You you feel joyful. I you know I've been gone. Uh, I had COVID and I was it was mild, but but I've kind of been gone for ten days. So this is my first day back, and it's just it's so wonderful because if you can kind of decide to cherish and to notice people, and and to look at people and listen to people. Um, you know, it doesn't get better than that, you know, and everybody kind of comes alive and and is awakened to, you know, something larger. And it's it's perfect. You know, this is perfect because you mentioned, I'm sorry you had COVID, by the way, recently, and I'm glad it was a mild case. The yeah. final chapter of your of, of the whole language is called Please Unmute Yourself. And it connects to what we're talking about, about being seen, I, I think, because um, I worked in a school during that COVID year, the, the remote year, we'll call it the 2021 school year. And it was hard um, on so many levels. And one of, the, one of the challenges was to establish connection to show your students that you do see them, even though you're not literally in close proximity with them. And, you know, I keep thinking to myself, we're so lucky that in a sense, the only saving grace about COVID possible is that at least the technology was with us to be able to um, run schools remotely. Uh, we had the bandwidth, you know, in the technology. And that is not to say that everybody had access to the bandwidth. Um, a, lo a lot of inequities uh, were brought to light as well during COVID um, that we must rectify with and, and, and move forward um, stronger from. Yet there's something about the screen. Um, and, and that chapter, please unmute yourself, is it, it connotes to me the idea that I see you, but I'm actually looking at the camera just above you, right? And and I'm, I'm responding to you, but I know that there's like a millisecond delay um, in that response. So now we have this chance, now that we're back in schools and we're back in real, in, in person and in proximity and in, in close proximity with each other, we have this incredible opportunity to take the lessons learned from when we didn't have this interpersonal connection and to really honor them. I love your word, cherish. Father Greg, the, the idea of when you see somebody, you're cherishing them. Um, you use the word cherish quite often in, uh, in your writings. And I'd love to hear your definition of what it is to cherish somebody. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I, so the I principle, you know, of course, among the traumatized, if it's true that somebody who's been traumatized may well traumatize others, then it has to be true that the cherished person will be able to find their way to the joy there is in cherishing themselves and others. So cherishing is just a kind of way of holding, being attentive, know people's names, um, you know, trying to pick up uh, signals, you know, what are people going through, ask, ask the additional question. All that stuff is cherishing, you know, because, and, it's like tenderness, you know, in a way, you know, because if love is the answer, community is the context. It's where it happens. And, uh, but tenderness and cherishing is the methodology. It's how you make connective tissue of your love. Otherwise, it just stays in your head. Yeah, I love my students. But, but it has to be kind of translated in the real, in real time in the real world by you know attention and curiosity and ask the second question and all that kind of stuff time to cherish uh, my book is is uh time to teach time to reach and yet if i were to write a follow-up time to cherish might be that title because i'm thinking about how what you were just saying, it takes that second question, that follow-up question, all it takes rather is that follow-up question. All it takes is that little knuckle on the student's desk as you're walking by. All it takes is 
again, like I saw you in the play and, you know, you were awesome as uh, Puck, you know, in Midsummer. All it takes yeah. is so basic to us, yet where's the time for that? And if we can come out of this pandemic period in this, now that we're entering into this endemic pandemic period with a recalibration on what it is to provide a cherishing classroom. Because when I think about cherish too, it's, it's, and it absolutely it corroborates with your definition there. It's holding something fragile. It's holding something with honor. It's, it's stewarding and, and, and just, just being delicate which is not to say being weak, right? It, it's, it's you are the teacher, you're the strength, you're the guru, you're the priest. You are, you own that position. You are by title, you are by, by, um, by, 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 your, by your past, you've earned this. And, and, yet, and, and therefore it's a strength to, to show, cherish, to, to show what it is to cherish um, your students. So I just, I don't know, there's, there's so much there. And, I, and I'm thinking about also how schools can, can do this um, you know, in terms of their, their daily schedule. Like, for example, could you share a little bit about at Homeboy how you start the day every day? I love this idea of the assembly. Yeah, we call it morning meeting, and it's at 8.50 in the morning, and we all pack ourselves in here. And, um, you know, we have rituals to it. You know, you, first we have a land acknowledgement. Where are we standing? And then we have the mission statement. Who are we? What are we about? And people read that. And then we kind of have announcements, you know, tattoo removal. And so today they said all day. And then the whole 500 people, we all in, in a unison say all damn day. And then I say, well, what, who are our providers? Then they name the, the uh, doctors. And then, you know, it's educational class and cafe comes up. You know, the soup of the day is chicken lime and somebody from the bakery comes up and says coffee cakes are the best in the world and merchandise. And then the time comes when we say uh, any announcements from the floor. <clears throat> and like today, it was just, it was breathtaking. You know, a, a woman who'd been in prison for a lot of years she could barely speak. She was so emotional. And she said, I got my kids back yesterday. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Or somebody will say, you know, I, I'm one year sober. Or we had a bunch of things today that were very heartfelt and emotional. And then somebody does a thought for the day and we end with a prayer. So it's, it's 10 minutes. We sing happy birthday. Today we had three birthdays. And it's it's more home than home for people. And uh, somebody said the other day, if love is a place, that place is homeboy. So people are just very, you know, they're greeted with great affection. And and that's it's so wonderful to behold. There's so much love in that uh, that depiction, right? The morning meeting and and the vulnerability that comes with sharing your story, uh, like like you shared those examples of of people really opening their hearts and and knowing that this is a safe environment for them to do so. It's safe and it's loving. And you just used the term affection a moment ago, Father Greg, and I'd love to move into the the topic of love, love at homeboy, love in the uh, in, in in the classroom. And where I'd like to go with this part is this sense of not giving up on the members in your community um, for, for where, from, from, from the school perspective, not giving up on your students, no matter how grappling they are with you, no matter how much they may challenge you as a teacher and the only adult in the room, how you maintain that love, how you build that bridge um, with honesty and, and with, it, with an honest understanding that we're all human, we're all flawed, therefore. We're never going to be perfect. We're never divine, and we're not divine. We are God's creation in his image, not God's ourselves. So with that kind of a sense, that, hum that humble approach, I'd love to, to hear you. I'll start this with just, you have, you have a phrase called um, no matter whatness that I love, and, uh, and it tends to follow after you say, I love you no matter what. 
you know, or I blank you no matter what. I'd love for you to share kind of how that came about and, and, and how that shows love. Well, you know, part of the problem, you know, one of your tenets is about belongingness and, and you don't want to create a community of, of behaving people, but you want to create a community of belonging, of beloved belonging, where people feel part of the thing. In the old days, you know, we would, you know, people would leave, they'd drift away, they'd get high or they got arrested again. And we used to fret. We used to say, oh, my God, I wonder if they'll ever come back. Nobody says that now. Nobody, literally nobody. We just go, ah, he'll be back. Because once you have a dose, it's so compelling that you you know you're confident in the dosage. So, you know, people will say, you know, does kindness work? What happens if kindness doesn't work? And they, of course, say increase the dose. And, and that's kind of how it works, you know. So, um, you know, beloved belonging is the goal. And when right now, you know, the homies kind of run this place. And but they, they know that behavior is a language. You know, it's just, um, you know, it, what, what what language is that behavior speaking? So if somebody gets in a fight. Well, what's that about? Where, where are they coming from? <clears throat> and you know that that's uh th those are good questions you know because then you you discover you know some guy acted out the other day and and you go whoa that's that was really kind of out of character once you you just kind of spend two minutes you know you discover that it's raining and his mom's in a tent and getting high and somehow the rain activated this in this whole thing you know where he was just stressed out and on edge and don't even try to approach him and sure enough he starts to, he starts to fight folks you know and it you know you, you don't want to just you know uh, change behavior or even changing thinking you know like cognitive behavioral therapy you know it, it's it's not about just change the way people think it's about you love people into wholeness and we're all just walking each other home anyway we're walking each other home to to a place where people are well and none of us are well till all of us are well so you know you roll up your sleeves and 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 you let go of a notion of being effective or successful you know not everything that works helps but everything that helps works <laughs> and that's why it's important to do the stuff that helps otherwise you're going to be a slave to um evidence-based outcomes you know i'm not interested and mother Teresa says we're not called to be successful we're called to be faithful so we want to be faithful to an approach that's whole and good and true and just and kind and then yeah, the, the good news is the byproduct of that is will be success. But if success is your engine, then you then you won't have a no matter whatness. You're mm. you're you're only going to want to work with the kids who are going to give you a successful outcome. I'm not interested in that because you want to be healing. I worked. You know, at, yeah. Sorry, I was thinking, I worked at a school once where I was really valued on the number of students in my AP English class, my AP advanced placement literature class that, that got fours and fives, right? And, and how many of your kids, you know, scored that? And those were the metrics on being a successful teacher. And what you're talking about is so, just so much more essential and so much more significant. It's, it's instilling uh, a classroom environment of hope, of faith. It's looking, it's, it's establishing belonging, belongingness. It's showing your love through uh, no matter whatness, um, I am here. Uh, I'm not going to sever this bridge, this tie with you. And cool. all of that is, uh, takes time to cultivate, right? Yeah, absolutely. You but it, that, that's where the joy is, you know, because it, if you're going to the margins to make a difference, then it's about you. But if you go to the margins so that the folks there make you different, then it's about us. And 
And then you never are depleted. You never burn out, ever. You know, I have some of my senior staff, so I, I just think I need a break because I just guess I, I, I think I'm just too compassionate. And I, I have to break it to them. I go, no, you've allowed this to become about you. It's not about you, you know? So if you go to the margins to receive people and to be reached by people and to have your heart altered by your students, then that's eternally replenishing. You're never, you're never depleted. So I, I you know, I, somebody asked me once to write a blurb for a book about self-care for ministers. I did it, but I, I don't believe in it. You know, yeah, get some sleep, yeah, exercise. Yeah, take some time off. But but you are teachers, and so you go there and you show up and you delight and and you 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 can't wait to get there. And you you choose that. You choose to delight in the folks who are there. And it's and it's you know so you become the notice, I always say the notice of God. You notice people and you go, wow, this is terrific. You're amazing. And then, you, then you're then you anchored in the two solid truths. Everyone is unshakably good, no exceptions. And we belong to each other, no exceptions. And so then you enter the classroom and it, it's like, this couldn't be one bit better. Not good days, bad days. It's It's... You know, it's your duty to delight. And 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 that's the thing that will keep you from from burning out. Because you're you're the engine that drives you is your own fidelity to what you know is right and good and just and true, rather than outcomes and success. And that, that's a whole new ballgame. It just turns everything on its head. It's a total 180, Father Greg. It's 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 the also the idea that the classroom experience from teacher to students is bidirectional. Absolutely, 100% bidirectional. It is not you imparting the wisdom or the the, the content to your students. They're not open vessels. Um, if you're fortunate, if you're lucky, uh, if you've got the bandwidth to be able to to appreciate the fact that every day you walk into the classroom, you've got 20, 25. Uh, individuals holding up a mirror to you and, and sharing, this is who you are today. Um, you know, this is how, this is how you are today. And, uh, and that is just such an incredible privilege. And if we can, you're right. If we can get the spotlight off the metrics and the, the quantitative measurements of what makes a good teacher, uh, and instead really focus on what you do every day and what you've built through homeboy. I mean, the soul of homeboy industries is about belongingness and unconditional love. And it is about loving, loving them into loving. It, it's the idea of taking the individual and, and not believing that any individual is, is capable of being evil. They may be doing bad things, their behavior may be horrible, but they're not evil. And that is something where I think about the number of teachers who have come into my office in my past as a principal and just said, look, I can't teach this kid. This kid's just a bad kid. Um, or for example, like the beginning of school meetings where you, you, you receive the files um, from you know, fourth grade to fifth grade and you get the files on the kids and you, you learn like, okay, this kid's really good. You're not gonna have any problem with this kid. Oh, but this kid, watch out. You know, this is gonna be a really challenging kid for you. The idea, and, and to me, that's always been so counterintuitive to what a school or what a healthy organization should be about, which is every day is the possibility of a light bulb going off. Every day is a possibility of sudden growth because growth can happen so suddenly, positive growth. And you're built of thousands and thousands of moments like that. I know that you've seen and that you've written about in your books um, where you've seen it, you believe in it. And if I can put, I'm gonna put words in your mouth. Uh, you, no, there's no such thing as truly an evil person. Um, they're hurting, right? They're, they're missing something desperately, but, they're, but there's no evil. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, so I mean, part of the thing is to, you try to recognize wound, unless you make friends with your wound, your own wound, everybody's wounded. Yes. Unless you make friends with your wound, you're gonna be tempted to despise the wounded. 
And, and the kid who's difficult is a wounded kid. And, and once you've excavated your own wound, suddenly there's room in your heart for the kid who's acting out, you know. You said that. And, and then, then you become reliable. And then the kid becomes sturdy because, you know, you're, you're directing all this positive energy and attention. And, and that's as it should be, you know, and, you know, I used to teach a long time ago and, and it was funny, uh, you know, it's the, once you're relational, once you know every student's name by the next day, you know, after day one, then obviously these, these are teachers who don't have disciplinary problems. They never have to send a kid to the principal's office. Because it's relational. You know who this kid is, you know? And then it's exquisitely mutual. You know, I, I was in Houston once, and a guy, a gang member who works with gang members, was pleading with me. He says, how do you, how do you reach them? How do you reach gang members? And, and I said, well, for starters, stop trying to reach them. Hmm. Can you be reached by them? Then it becomes exquisitely mutual, hmm. you know? It, it it's uh, you're honoring that person, and they honor you, and it's it's mutual, and that's that's when it's at its best. That's not crossing a boundary. That's just acknowledging that that we're human beings. You know, the, the I, uh, it's funny. I had a dream the other night. I was about to do a big funeral of this woman who was kind of a community organizer. And I, I guess I think I had a lot of stress around it because it was huge. It was going to be outside because she was so beloved. And I, at the night before, I had a dream. And, and in the dream, somebody said to me, and I, I woke up and I wrote it down. The, the person said, look, all of us are born and all of us are going to die. And all we have left is the tender time in between. And I just woke up and wrote that down. And I thought, I don't know where it comes from in some subconscious thing, but it's all we have left is the tender time. So as teachers, you know, you kind of, you acknowledge that it's tender time, that it's, you don't want to waste a minute of it. And, you know, and it's not about you. And the more it can be about us, the more joyful it is and 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 it's it's um it's more full for people when it's about us i don't transform anybody's life i don't save any life i don't fix anybody but i know that transformation happens here in this place and and the same thing happens in a classroom because you kind of need a place and a communal space where transformation can happen. And it happens in each other's company. And you want to be good company with each other. You want to be, you know, people who, who are, uh, who welcome their own wounds and find room in their heart for other wounded people. And so it's, it's the difference. Homies come out of prison and sometimes we have a lot of lifers here who've done 25 years years one guy did 44 years and it's funny one of them said the other day and and i think it's so true he said in prison i got insight but at homeboy i found healing mm. and there's a difference because we think it's about you know knowledge it's about changing your thinking that it's about insight what kind of insights can you gain and insights are as good as far as they go but don't settle for insight hold out for healing which is really a more fuller experience and and that's the difference uh, the homies have that palpable experience where they attended all the self-help classes and they, they, they've come to some insight but that doesn't mean that that they're healed healing healing versus gaining insight yeah. Before we move into the last the last kind of sub 
uh, heading here of our conversation, which is going to be about hope. And as we exit the theme of love that we've been talking about for, for the past uh, 15 minutes or so, there is the disappointment that comes when we have been that bridge to a student and we have been there for them, and yet they may not respond in kind, like, oh, I appreciate you uh, for doing this, or, oh, I think, you know, I think you've really changed me because you've been steadfast. Like, you know, no kid's going to tell you to your face, like, hey, you know, Mr. Smith, you've totally changed my life right then by that action you took with me. And the fact, but the fact that you're not, you know, X, Y, Z, like, it doesn't happen that way. Um, it's so much of a, of a teacher's job and, and, and a real leader's job goes unrewarded and unrecognized um, visibly. Uh, but you had this story that I just love, um, and I'm wondering if you might be able to share it, which is uh, the student Johnny, or not student rather, but, but this, this homie, Johnny, um, and he asks you for money, and there's a connection to this theme of being the bridge. Is this a story that you're, you, can, you can recall or, or that you can share? Because it's about that disappointment um, that can hit, hit the, 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 the mentor when their effort seems to get rejected. Uh, let's see. Oh, is it about the bridge? Yes. <laughs> and can, he's asking for I, money and you're like, I love can you. Can, but... I, can I, can I use language? You can use language. This is a podcast, yeah. no network. Yeah. So, so what happened was this is a kid I have a lot of history with, you know, and, uh, you know, and then we, we had to kind of, uh, say, well, you need rehab because you're, you're smoking meth. And so, so it's back and forth, back and forth texting. And and then kind of jaw-droppingly, he said, hey, can you kick me down with money? You know, and I, I thought, well, son, you know, we've been trying to get you into rehab, you know, and and I love you. You're my son. And 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 the day won't ever come when I don't love you anymore. And and I know you've burned all your bridges with your family and all the people you love, but I'm telling you right now, you will never burn the bridge that exists between me and you. And I sent it. <laughs> he wrote me back right away. Fuck your bridge. <laughs> and I just died laughing. <laughs> On the one hand, you feel like, oh shit, you know, right. that's a big sword in my heart. Right. But you, you, with praise and blame, you have to treat it all the same. You know, you take it in, you feel it. Ooh, that stinged. That, that's, a, that's an owie. <laughs> and then you step back and you just, you can savor it. You can relish it. So um, then I have these homies who kind of run the place and they were in my office. And I was telling them that story. And we were just howling with laughter. And then it's even, I have to tell you, that was a long time ago. But even today it came up. Uh, where one of the homies, it, it, he recalled it, which I hadn't thought about it in a long time. And that, that became the kind of this affectionate thing. So they would hug me and they'd whisper in my ear, fuck your bridge. <laughs> and we knew exactly what, you know, I go, oh my God, thank you. Oh, yes, you know. yes. and, and a homie did that to, today because the word bridge came up about something. How do we how do we do a bridge between this this group and that or something or other? And one of the homies remembered, he goes, fuck your bridge. <laughs> <laughs> and we, again, we just fell on the floor. But anyway, you know, it's for me, it's kind of a, you know, it's not about how to, will they return your love? Right. That's the the whole thing in life. You know, you, you, our sadness it comes from our self-absorption. And then the minute you kind of move outside it, you go, oh, okay, this feels better. Mm. You'll feel better if you're not self-absorbed, if mm. you choose that. And then you kind of go, well, now I'm other-centered. Then you become loving-centered. And then you inhabit the truth of who you are. You love being loving. That's the truth of every human being. But a homie kind of punctuated a conversation we had the other day. At the end, he just said, you know, life is removing the blindfold. And I said, you know, I think you're right. 
But once the blindfold falls, what do you see? It's not, wow, I'm I'm really I screwed up, or I've I've seen the error of my ways. No, the blindfold falls and you see that you're unshakably good. Then you inhabit that truth. And then you become that truth. And and then you're a powerful person in the world. Death can't even touch that. It's so huge. Then you find that thing and then you, you just say, well, you discover your true self in loving. And it's way beyond just not being self-absorbed. Then you don't care if somebody says, fuck your bridge. <laughs> then you don't care, you know, if, if a student leaves at the end of the year and he never turned around to say thank you. That's okay. I I just, I know my true self in loving and I love being loving. And uh, so sometimes people say thank you and sometimes they don't. And and that's okay. Then you can kind of be anchored in a no matter whatness. Yes. You know, look, I love you and, and I'm never gonna stop. So quit trying to make me stop because I'm never gonna stop. But that's not so hard to understand because you know, parents with their kids, that then all of a sudden, you had mentioned the word disappointment, you know, then suddenly that's no longer part of your vocabulary. I don't know. I don't, but I don't know disappointment. I don't, I don't engage success. I, you know, I don't measure. What's all the measuring about? <laughs> you know, you yeah. just kind of love and then, and do what you will. This, this, this part of the conversation reminds me of a, a quote from The Whole Language uh, of yours, which is um, one of the most comforting quotes I've heard in a long time, one of the most comforting um, passages that I've read in a long time. And I can imagine any student who hears it is, uh, would, would immediately feel comforted. And it's, the quote is this, the problem isn't that God doesn't think we're good enough, but that we don't know how good we are. The problem isn't that God doesn't think we're good enough, but that we don't know how good we are. Anyway. Yeah, I think that's always the case. And and I, I kind of bristle, I wince. I read something in the LA Times today about the juvenile hall system, and somebody was saying, you know, we're just trying to help kids become their best selves. And I go, ugh. Uh-huh. I don't know why that kind of language, I just I go, no, they're already great. You could, you know, a homie will say, I'm just, how do I become a better man? I go, Stop. You could not be one bit better. Yes. Because once you know that that's your truth, then you become that truth. You inhabit that truth. Yes. But if it's about striving to be better tomorrow than I was today, then, then you're not seeing the truth. The blindfold hasn't fallen where you see your unshakable goodness. And, and then you live from your goodness, you know? The homies here always say, you know, he's he's learned how to live his truth. And I know what that means. You know, it means, you know, you're anchored in in seeing yourself, I would say, as God does. And, and that's a helpful place to be. Because then, you know, no bullet can pierce that. And no four prison walls can keep that out. Because it's just too huge. And and so that's kind of what resilience is. You know, your your students will become sturdy. I always like to say sturdy mm. because, you know, the world is going to throw at them what it will, but this time they're not going to be toppled by it because they're sturdy in the f- face of very strong winds. And, and the sturdiness is born of relational wholeness. Because you were cherished, you're now a strong person. You, you know how you know how to enter the world and people have to leave here otherwise other people can't come so and that's tough but they it happens but then they just you know they you know they they know who they are and um, there's nothing more powerful and people have to learn have to come to insights you know I just had a homegirl in here who was just enraged at some guy that we hired and she goes, I'm going to hurt him. And I go, yeah, no, you're not, you know, (laughs) you're going to figure out how to navigate this. 
And and you don't want to lose this job because it's you know it's paying your rent and it's feeding your kids. But you'll learn how to to be in the same breathe the same air as this guy that you hate. You know, that stuff comes up all the time around here. The coexistence. Yeah. With enemies, you know, so it's not about loving your enemies, it's it's deciding not to have any. That's you, way better. And talk about literally putting that into practice, Father Greg and Homeboy, because you literally have enemies together under the same roof. Multiple, multiple, multiple enemies. You're going to make croissants with somebody you used to shoot at. For sure. <laughs> Thank you for um, bringing us home by um, mentioning relational wholeness a moment ago, because that's how we began this conversation. And that is a perfect way to wrap it up because relational wholeness, particularly focusing on three elements, lovingness, hope, and belongingness. And uh, those three being the topics that we talked about today. And I just wanna share with you, Father Greg, as we conclude this conversation, um, this was this podcast, this conversation was a bit different than most of your conversations, which tend to happen to focus strictly on um, the community at Homeboy and how it came about and, and how um, you have rehabilitated thousands of young men and women through Homeboy Industries. Um, this has really been about relating the culture and the ethos of Homeboy Industries to one's classroom, one's school environment. And um, I was really struck because there was another unique podcast that you were on fairly recently that uh, the LA Public Library put out. And it stood out to me so much because it was a, it was a, a former or current homie who is now an actor, a professional actor, successful actor. And he refers to you as Pops, 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 Pops. And this is a charismatic, if anybody listening to this podcast, please listen to this other podcast as well. Um, or better yet, watch it because he's so charismatic. Both Father Greg is so charismatic and this actor. And the love that he shares with you, Father Greg, is really beyond words. Um, it's so visible in that, in that conversation. And it's so beautiful. And it's such a great testament to the relationship, the relational wholeness that you've created with him. And uh, so I really, really advocate anybody listening to, to go over to that. It was the LA Public Library. You can just Google it um, with Father Greg and to just to see the power of that relational wholeness in that relationship with him and uh, in this, this former homie. Um, and I also just wanted to give you a moment to share with our listeners, what is home, like just how many people have walked through the door since 1988, what, what, what do you, what are kind of your quick talking points, bullets, um, stats? Because I, I, it's one thing to hear this conversation and to imagine and envision what Homeboy is, but to really hear the numbers, to actually listen to some of the data is powerful in itself as well. Um, so maybe just a kind of the number of people that, that have come in and out, um, the number, the, the, the expanse of what Homeboy Industries covers um, in terms of its service to, to the LA community and anything else that just, you know, uh, uh, stands out. So, so we've been around for 34 years and, uh, we're the largest gang intervention rehab reentry program on the planet. So about 10,000 folks a year walk through our doors, trying to reimagine their lives. Uh, the centerpiece is our 18 month training program. Uh, everybody wants to get in on that. We have 11 social enterprises, so restaurants and bakeries and silkscreen and electronic recycling, and that that we, kind of people move in phases and then they go and work in those places. Um, so we serve the entire county. There are 120,000 gang members in LA County and 1,100 gangs. And so that's big. I was just in Odessa, Texas, and they have 100,000 people in all of Odessa, Texas. So, you know, <laughs> have more gang members than they have people. And then 
So we have uh, a thing called the Global Homeboy Network. So there are 300 programs in the United States modeled on Homeboy and loosely connected at what we call a partner program. And then there are uh, 50 programs outside the country in Glasgow, Sydney, London, Guatemala City. So we didn't want to airlift Homeboy and become the McDonald's of gang intervention programs. So we we ended up saying, well, we'll help you start your program. So that's kind of how it works. And every summer for three days, our partners gather here in Los Angeles, the ones who can join us. And we share best practices and we kind of, it's a kind of a community of places. So, so in San Diego, there's Rise Up Industries in Glasgow, Scotland, there's Braveheart Industries and, and the, you know, so the, they have different little businesses, social enterprises. Anyway, but the idea is, uh, you know, you create a community of kinship such that God might recognize it. That's the whole aerial view. You were just recently honored as well at Loyola High School um, for for 50 years of uh, your your Jesuit heritage and 38 years, I think, with Homeboy or with 38 years being a priest. Um, and that recognition, uh, nothing, nothing can uh, add can be enough to to recognize the work that you've done, and and yet at the same time you're sharing your wisdom that it's not about you. You did not do this work for you. Um, the energy that comes out of your work is its own self perpetuating energy, and it is, um, you know, to bring it back to the classroom. It's you know, to take that that main caveat that this is not about you. This is about what you create in an atmosphere of hope, belongingness, and love. And uh, there's no greater time than I would say than than the present to recalibrate what's what what the classroom experience is for this generation who have gone through so much trauma the past three years, regardless of where and in what context they've they've all they all woke up to the daily death numbers from COVID. They all woke up to What's the, what's the CDC gonna gonna say, or the LA County Board of Health going to dictate in terms of whether I can go to school today, or whether I have to wear a mask, or whether I have to keep six feet social distancing, whether I can't touch, whether I can't connect, whether I can't be and share space with uh, my peers? Um, we are putting that in the rearview mirror, hopefully with a lock, a padlock, and and key that's thrown out the window, so that we can move forward into a new way of schooling. And if we can take and extrapolate. Um, these tenants from Homeboy Industries uh, into our school cultures and our school ethos and to have at the center of our school cultures a relational wholeness um, like they have at Homeboy Industries, the world would certainly be a much, much better place. So thank you so much, Father Greg, for your time today and for your just beautiful heart and um, that continues to extend around around the world and certainly did in this conversation today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Happy to be with you. You've been listening to Reach Teach Talk with Nat Damon. If you'd like to recommend a guest for a future episode, you can send your suggestion or questions to nat at reachacademics.com.